Hello and welcome to Office Hours with EAB. Today we examine why a growing number of high school graduates have decided to opt out of college. Our experts dig into what's driving that trend and, spoiler alert, cost is an issue, but perhaps not in the way you might think. Give these folks a listen and enjoy. Hello and welcome to Office Hours with EAB. My name is Pauline Robb and I am a research analyst here. I'm excited to be on the podcast today to talk about the phenomenon of declining college going rates. First, I want to shout out my team who I had the pleasure of working on this research with, Cameron Jessup, Bashay Dixon, and Brian Schuler, who's actually joining me today. Brian, would you mind introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your role at EAB? Hey, Paulin. Sure. Yeah. Uh, glad to be here with you today. Um, as Paulin, you mentioned, uh, my name is Brian Schuler, and I'm a director here in our research department at EAB. Um, I focus mainly on trying to understand the market dynamics for our undergraduate and graduate enrollment spaces so that we can, as a firm, better help our partners set a sustainable enrollment strategy uh, in you know, a time that is pretty challenging when it comes to thinking about enrollment um, and bringing in students for a lot of our partners. Awesome. Thanks, Brian, for sharing a little bit about yourself and your research interests. Let's just jump in here and provide some context around this problem, why it's important to have these conversations, and why we decided to tackle this research. So to start, uh, could you answer how we're defining non-consumption and what makes that stand out? Yeah, happy to chat on that front. Um, and I'll I guess I'll start a little bit. Let's go back to 2017, 16, mm -hmm. um, when really the research topic around you know what's going on in enrollment was demographic decline. Um, there was a lot of great research on that front that was talking and, and highlighting how as we approach 2025, 2026, we were going to start seeing this demographic decline, previously called the demographic cliff. Um, and as a result, you know, a lot of our partners started to look and say, okay, let's explore places that are growing. Let's try and enroll more students and, and invest more in going towards states and areas that have rapid demographic growth, are seeing a lot of individuals um, either moving there or higher birth rates. The problem is, is that these approaches didn't seem to pan out very well. Um, now, one reason might be it's harder to recruit farther from home. Um, that's one of the elements of uh, just recruiting students. It's easier, closer to your main markets. But actually, that's not the whole ex uh, explanation there. We actually found that some of these places that had growing populations weren't producing as many students as we would expect. A good example of this is Texas. Um, We've heard a lot of folks say, oh, we're going to send a recruiter down to Texas to try and recruit a few more students. Super attractive area because from 2010 to 2020, they saw about 75,000 additional 18-year-olds every year just due to that demographic growth. Now, that's a huge number of students. But when we looked at the data and said, okay, well, how many, more, like how many of those students are ending up enrolling? Actually, it wasn't a growth at all. From Texas, between this period of time, the number of first-time enrollments who were in Texas and ended up going anywhere actually declined by 10,000 students per year. Mm. So we're talking, you know, depending on the back of the envelope math, you know, up to, you know, 70, 70 plus thousand students who are just missing. 
where did they go? Like, and that's only from Texas. There's a lot of other states that are seeing these similar trends as well. Um, and so we started to dig in here and trying to understand like, where are these students going? Why aren't they enrolling in school? Why aren't these, you know, in these places, these demographic dividends not necessarily materializing? Um, what we found is that it's not just a pandemic era phenomenon. It's something that the pandemic increased, but it's a trend that's going on at least since 2010, 2012. Um, and so as we've dug in further, we're kind of calling this non-consumption to try and emphasize what's changed. Um, I think prior to this, a lot of us felt like consumption of higher ed, going to higher ed was the default option. Mm -hmm. You know, if you didn't make a class uh, as an institution, if you were seeing fewer students than you anticipated, your first question was going to be, who took them? Like, what did one of our partners end up, you know, changing something about their strategy or not one of our partners, but one of our competitors changed something about their strategy to pull in more of these of the students who typically would go to me. But increasingly, that's not the case. What we are seeing is that the competitor isn't another higher education institution, but it's the decision to go or not go to college overall. And so calling this non-consumption or labeling this phenomenon non-consumption, I think is our effort to try and think about this is actually that choice of going to college at all and thinking about what's really changed over this past decade or so. That's kind of where we're sitting and I think how we came to learning about non-consumption um, but Pauline, you know, you've worked in uh, higher ed before you joined EAB on the enrollment side of the house. Um, and of course, as part of this research effort, we've connected with a lot of leaders to hear about what they're seeing, what they're sensing going on on the ground. I'd love to get a sense. What's your read on how many of our colleagues, you know, how are they experiencing or recognizing this uh, on the ground? Yeah, Brian, I'm glad you asked. To give our listeners context, prior to EAB, I worked in higher education and spent some time in admissions. While there, I always sort of heard about the ominous demographic cliff, right? But never once did we think it was going to be a separate thing that would impact enrollment this much as the years went on. Um, and so even while I was transitioning from that position, I was hearing how we need to expand our territories, we need to recruit elsewhere, you know, get this going so we can make up for what we would lose. But never did we think there was going to be something else that would come up um, as well. Mm. And so on the calls with these enrollment leaders, we were getting a sense that um, they knew a little bit about students not wanting to go to college, but it wasn't really the thing that was as talked about as much as the demographic cliff. Um, but we did try and ask them, OK, well, here's what we've found and what we think is happening. And so we got a sense of what they were thinking students were doing instead of maybe going to college. And we heard a lot of stuff about maybe it's the hustle culture. And so students are finding ways to make their own money, getting involved in some entrepreneurship endeavors, um, and maybe going to work in some other areas that were paying them more than they possibly could have imagined getting that much money as a high school student, or even if they graduated college. Um, so we were hearing a lot about those big name warehouses, um, you know, that 
offer a certain amount of hours like, a, like an amazon like an amazon like exactly mm-hmm. and you know they'll get this amount of money and it's like okay if you're pocketing that money you're not paying rent it's like wow i kind of you know have a little dollars on me um and then there were some other folks who were kind of taking it in the direction towards the more content creation side so those who were doing twitch streaming um Twitch, what is, so it's Twitch. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> so I'm barely understanding it myself, but Twitch is a video game streaming platform. So usually how people get famous or, you know, start to make revenue on Twitch is that they're streaming them playing their video games and people tune in and they watch and they send them gifts and money. And it's a whole different side of things that I don't think anyone could have imagined would be something today. Um, And so we see Twitch streaming and content creating on the rise and people are able to consume a lot of the stuff because we have a smartphone in our hands. So we're able to see that all the time. Um, And so students can see that as well. But also there's just some general sense of apathy, like students are just not interested um, in higher education. So there's a lot of different factors at play. But again, I think the most common thing that we heard, um, which has come up across the years, is the speculation that college is just too expensive. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we hear that a lot. Um, That's probably one of the first things that these enrollment leaders would say, you know, the cost, the cost, the cost that's always coming up. And this is an area where I think our research took a bit of a surprising turn um, because that's something we wanted to explore and and really get in and see if it's actually cost that's driving it. So I know, Brian, you did a little bit of research around that. So if you can explain some more about why we may be skeptical that non-consumption is just the story about affordability and cost. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was one of those things where I feel like we'd just sort of taken for granted that, okay, like we've heard from everyone, higher it's too expensive. And we're seeing people, you know, not going to college as much. And so it's like, must be a cost story. Mm-hmm. Like, there we go, open shut, like research project finished. Uh, <laughs> didn't actually turn out to be what we saw. When we looked in and started digging, parts of the story of it being a cost-driven or that non-consumption being driven by cost, parts of that story didn't start adding up. One, the most affordable institutions were the ones that saw the greatest declines. You think about community colleges seeing the biggest enrollment declines. Mm. It actually doesn't even stop there, though. When we start breaking it down by different segments and sectors, we also saw that there really wasn't what we would expect a you know bonus for being more affordable or being a lower cost institution. Um, in fact, it was the opposite. Also, cost hasn't actually increased dramatically over this period of time. Even though we've seen non-consumption increase over this past decade, we haven't seen costs increase at that same level. They've stayed about similar when we start looking at the net price that students would pay. And The biggest thing that was a surprise to me is that actually this increase in non-consumption broadly comes from higher access, higher income households, not lower income households. The growth's coming from higher income folks. Okay, can you back up for a second there? So you're saying that non-consumers are mostly coming from higher income families? Yeah. So, and that was a, um, you know, I, I enjoy 
diving into the data. And I think this is a surprising finding. I'll talk a little bit about the data first and then sort of our, I would say, a more nuanced interpretation of it. Um, so we looked at non-consumers. So those folks who graduated from high school, didn't go to college, and we looked at their family income. So what family income situation did they come from? And over this period of time, when we looked at those individuals who came from households with incomes less than 100K per year, that number actually decreased over time. So we saw fewer non-consumers over time from those populations. We adjusted for inflation as well. So we're not seeing an inflation effect here. But over that same period, we actually saw the number of non-consumers coming from households with incomes above 100K a year increase pretty dramatically, more than double. And so that growth in non-consumption is really driven by these higher income populations. Now, I don't want our listeners to think, okay, it's just a high income problem. Like okay. in the American Community Survey data we look at, you know, an income is a very broad brush. Um, it's not the only barrier. It's a good proxy, though, for a lot of different barriers. I think a better way to interpret this finding um, is one, there's still a lot of individuals who are coming from lower income, from lower access populations. Like, although that group shrank a little bit, it's still a big chunk. And that represents, I think, a broader element of access to higher education. We haven't solved that yet. That's still really important to address and be working on. However, what we now have is kind of a new thing. It's this second group of non-consumer that hasn't been as much of the challenge before. And this is a group that is that has access to higher ed, that has a lot of that cultural capital to make it and go to college if they would want. The difference is that they're just not interested in going hmm. to college. This is a group that is not lacking access, but instead lacking interest in college. And that's where this growth is really coming from. Yeah, that is super interesting and was honestly very surprising to me because I feel I've always been in the school of thought that it was just an access barrier for students who decided not to go to college, right? And just based on my own experiences and how the college going culture was for me, it was kind of difficult to imagine that people just didn't want to go to college without there being some great big reason behind this. And so it was a challenging um some it was challenging for me to kind of get out of that school of thought and also intrigue me uh, in this project to try and understand this other group of non-consumers and it was hard to get a sense of what they were thinking from just the literature because there wasn't a lot out there on this population it seemed like the public was still viewing college favorably um but at the same time, college age students weren't having an ounce of interest. So I wasn't really understanding how those two things were true at the same time. Right. Mm -hmm. But um, I think in this project, what we did was you were able to figure out a really cool way for us to hear directly from these students. And, you know, your brain was working on overtime. So can you just share <laughs> a little bit about what brought you to this um, decision to hear from non-consumers directly? Well, that's nice of you to put that on me. It really, it was all this <laughs> as we're working through this, uh, you know, trying to figure out, okay, like, you know, this is a group that's not as heard from, like it's, they don't show up as much in the literature, partly because they're new. And so uh, you know, I think 
as we were thinking through those challenges, we figured, why don't we just go to the non-consumer? Let's go chat with them. Um, it's not that easy, uh, but we went through and found a, a partner who was able to help us survey um, a large population of non-consumers. Um, we actually did this asynchronous survey where we were able to send out questions and they answered them on their phones, uh, both just answering regular traditional type survey questions, but also providing video responses to questions. So, um, you know, something we were able to kind of get a bit more of their stream of consciousness and thoughts about why, you know, what was their college search process like? What led them to decide against college? Um, Would they think about going back? Uh, Questions like that. Um, One of the things that, you know, we, as we were going through these, I know I looked through some of them. I know you looked through a lot of these videos (laughs) that we got back from these non-consumers that were really pretty interesting. Um, I love that you could pull a couple things out from those. Like, what was that like? What did you hear? What what were some Mm -hmm. of the things that you'd love to share with our listeners? Sure. Yeah, that was definitely an exciting piece of this project was getting to talk directly to college age non-consumers, especially since it hasn't been done so often. So I was glad to be a part of this cutting edge research, Um, but I didn't know what to expect. I shouldn't have went in with any expectations, but of course, you know, we've been talking to enrollment leaders. So we're kind of getting used to a certain style of conversation. We get on Zoom and it's a pretty formal right. conversation. It's yeah. very formal. You know, they're there. They're either wearing their college shirts or a nice blouse or, you know, they have their colleges up on the backgrounds, things like that. Um, and so, like, just to set the scene, imagine logging into this platform and I'm scrolling through and I'm seeing just college age students, right? You know, some of them, they're in their rooms, they're at the gym, they're doing just other things. And it's like, okay, well, I can see that we're going to get some unfiltered, straight to the point, stream of consciousness things. Um, And so clicking on one of these videos, you know, there's a young lady and she's in her room, like on her bed, just like talking directly to the phone. And it's kind of like, she's just having a conversation with her bestie. Um, And so her best to call in. Exactly. (laughs) And so we're getting a, a lot of information from this and, you know, they're telling us they're like I said, their unfiltered thoughts on why they decided not to go to college um, and, you know, what were the influences in that. But I think what we realized was a lot of the times when they were talking about these influences, they had no real recollection of why they decided not to go, right? Um, It was just that they've kind of just seen and heard things which may have influenced their decision over time and we couldn't really get a sense of something concrete to be like okay yeah this is what you know was going on mm-hmm. um so kind of people saying i know we saw a few of these students who would say oh like i applied and then you know i looked at it and didn't think it was for me but we saw a good chunk where it was like students who were saying you know, I just really never got started because I, you know, I've always heard it's too expensive and I don't, I don't like, I think it would be bad. Um, Right. Not really necessarily grabbing one specific thing. Right. Mm -hmm. That's exactly it. And it's like one of our participants did actually say they've just seen and heard things. And Mm -hmm. so we're like, okay, that's, you know, 
scratching our brains a little bit, but I get it because there's always news headlines around the cost of college rising at alarming rates and the the debt is being collected and everything and the ROI isn't as good as in the past. And so now it's like additionally, prospects are able to see and hear about more people who made decisions not to go to college based on some of that alarming news and have become somewhat successful through the rise of, you know, social media and other things. Um, Before, like prior to being able to see these folks doing their day to day, there wasn't an easy opportunity to see that, I don't know, Jamie from down the street bought some vending machines and put them in different places and now is making a lot of money. They're a 19 year old making this amount of money with no college degree, right? So they're seeing this on social media or on exactly. probably not Twitch because that's video games, I right. guess, but, but <laughs> right. Instagram or... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly that. And so it's not necessarily that there's a direct message to not go to college, but there's a lot of these subtle messagings and this little nuance that's like, oh, there's other things out there than college. And there's other things that you could possibly can do um, to go to college without going to college and making money. Um, But I don't think what's shown is the hard part of that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, what it takes to do a lot of these things, the people that tried and maybe didn't succeed as much, um, that stuff is a little bit more difficult to find. But honestly, once you start going through these videos and if you like see how to get a six-figure job with no experience the videos just keep coming they just keep coming and I myself I've gotten lost in a lot of these videos too um how to make this amount of money as a content creator I have a phone I have a tripod I can set my stuff up and you know start talking to the camera and it's just really compelling stuff And that message is getting like disseminated out to the larger population. And so it can be very easy to think that I can do something like that as well. Um, And everyone now is extremely transparent on what they may be making from a lot of these endeavors. And so it's, it's very enticing to someone to see this happening in real time and ways that they could possibly do this without, you know, four years of college. And and just to be clear, what we're we're not saying that oh, like now you can go and become a content creator and make <laughs> tons of money, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, we're saying that. But what we are saying is that these students are hearing and seeing that they're seeing mm-hmm. the top zero point zero one percent of social media creators who did go and make it big, mm-hmm. and going, oh, here's all these examples of people who made a lot of money without a college degree. Is that kind of what you're you're sensing and feeling is is what's happening here? Exactly. It's exactly that. And like I said, I get lost in it too. I'm like, if I was 18 making this decision again, I would definitely be a little bit influenced by what the, the stuff that I would be seeing. All these all these examples of other pathways. Exactly. Um, you mentioned though as well, like you keep seeing and seeing these videos. Mm-hmm. And could you tell me a little bit about how that, like the behind the scenes, why is it that as you started to, you know, for work, you know, looking through social media and exploring some of these videos, you kept seeing more and more of them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to add, that was definitely for work. I was scrolling social media <laughs> for work. Um, but it's something 
with the way that these apps recommend videos to you. Um, so it's like their recommendation engine. If the app has that and you start looking at videos uh, of a certain topic and you do that consistently, you'll start to see more content without even searching. You'll just start to see more content around that topic. And so, you know, once you get started, it's hard to stop. I once went down a rabbit hole of bread making. And so it's like one of those things where it's like, okay, if I'm in it, I'll see it consistently over and over and over again. Um, And so it's just, that can really change or alter how you may see something. Um, And not inherently negative, right? Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of, okay, there's this alternative and I'm also hearing all this stuff about costs and debt. And so the two things can easily get conflated. Mm. So certainly like not necessarily something negative if you're getting video after video of about sourdough starter. Mm. Um, (laughs) But like for our partners, you know, we've got a lot of students who've already received or prospective students who've received information about here's these alternatives. Here's Mm -hmm. these other things you might be able to do. They're hearing about the cost of college and now they're getting like as they start exploring that and looking through that, they're getting more and more and more content that's negative, that has questions that's uh, maybe not necessarily negative, but at least pushing it back against college, helping drive some of this non-consumption effect. That's correct. Um, so what do we do? I guess we, we should probably think about how how do we um, as, you know, how or how should our partners uh approach and think about this. Um, I guess I can start out here a little bit. Um, One is we'd love for folks to join uh, and learn more about this research. Um, We have some upcoming uh, research roundtables that we'll be hosting over the next few months um, and happy to dive in further to this research uh, with our partners as well. Um, One of the areas too that I think we we talked about is like currently the you know, these are students who are not really engaging with the existing enrollment um, pipelines. They're sort of mm-hmm. out of it. You know, they're seeing, I think that's what we were hearing a lot from the, the surveys is students didn't seem to be starting that journey or really engaging, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so part of our uh, approach and recommendation is to start by adapting the enrollment funnel to better reach and engage these students. So We've broken this out into kind of three chunks. Um, the first part is about reaching. How do you get you know, in front of uninterested students who aren't opting into the funnel? Um, there's a few ways that we identified that we're excited about. Um, one of those is to you know, collaborate with other institutions so that when you do high school visits, you're able to get in front of a larger population of students, um, sometimes including students who might not have necessarily opted into those visits. Um, or opted in if it was just come chat with a counselor from one institution. Um, Also engagement. Um, You know, these are students who are skeptical, who need a little more warming, a little more work to stay engaged in the funnel. And so ways to identify more resources so that you have counselors or individuals who can be working with these students, continuing to have those conversations with them, talking with them about, hey, here's how we can make this work for you financially. And then finally, re-engagement. Um, one of the areas we looked at was there's a fair number of these non-consumers who actually have been in an enrollment funnel in one way or another. 
but they drop out at the end. Uh, mm-hmm. They melt during the summer or end up deciding they're not able to go. We'd love to prevent that stopping out, the, the, or not the stopping out, but the melting in the summer. But even after that, what are we doing to catch those folks who melted? What are we doing to you know, reconnect with those individuals and re-recruit them? And so um, part of adapting and thinking about that, uh, adapting that enrollment funnel is really across those three areas. And we've got some ad- uh, ways to address that and support in that research that we'd love for folks to join and, and uh, connect with us about. Yeah. Okay. That's a great, um, like take some great takeaways. I want to ask what can folks do once they do get in front of uh, these students or these non-consumers? Because a lot of them sometimes they're just not going to college. Some of them working, some of them are just participating in the gig economy. So they may be a little bit interested, but um, just not right now. So what can our colleagues or our partners do to get in front of these students and wow them? Yeah. So I think in terms of uh, getting in front of these folks, um, we talked to some of our partners who are really taking a different approach to that experience, really thinking about it as how do we shape the memories that these prospects have? And research that we've looked at across, uh, you know, inside and outside of higher ed suggests that actually changing behavior requires creating much more of these positive, unique memories. And so as part of the research that we've been developing and some of the workshops we're pulling out from this is actually helping our partners take really you know, wow moments that already exist on their campus, these really powerful changing and, and uh, you know, formative moments that we already mm-hmm. have as higher education, that actually higher education is pretty good at, right. but for our existing students and taking that and bring that out for prospective students. Um, how do we bring that into our enrollment funnel so that we can help shift those behaviors, help, you know, make those changes and help these prospects see, wow, like, College is a place for me. College is a place where I could gain a lot, benefit a lot, and it could help me, you know, throughout my life. Okay, gotcha. So kind of taking those moments that really make your college experience special and putting them on the front end so that prospective students can see the magic of college. Yes. Yeah. Hoping to both get in front of them. And Mm -hmm. then also, once we get in front of these prospects, creating an environment and a conversion experience that helps bring them in. So that's what, what we're hoping will be, uh, you know, our partners can take away and implement. And we think we'll do a great job of helping these students who've started moving away from college and help bring them back. Awesome. So, cool. Awesome. And of course, for all of those listening, um, we've touched on some of this research here, but we would love to talk about it in greater depth with uh, you all, if you're a member or a partner of EAB or uh, maybe someone who hasn't worked with EAB before, um, please reach out. We've got some upcoming roundtables and meetings where we're going to dive into this research um, and could potentially uh, um, share even more deeply about this research and information. Love to hear from you if you have further questions. Well, Paul Ann, I think as you found out, I enjoy talking about this quite a bit, could talk for for a long time on some of this research. Um, And thank you for joining me on this. But, uh, you know, want to wrap it up here. Uh, 
thanks so much for, yeah. for the research that we've done here. And I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. Yeah, Brian, as, as well, super exciting stuff. Could also talk for hours on this, um, but we'll go ahead and let our listeners get back to their daily tasks. So thank you for having us and yep. goodbye. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for listening. Please join us next week when we share details on a relatively new resource for high school students that helps ease the burden of the college exploration and application process. Until next week, thank you for your time.